Welcome to the South Plains Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. If you're a guest here this morning, uh, I, I'm not the person that usually stands up every Sunday and preaches. Jim Brewer, who is our preaching minister, had the opportunity to spend some time in England with one of the missionaries we support there. In fact, probably right about now, if my timing is right, he may be taking his nap because he preached this morning. Is that right? Was it this morning that he was preaching? Preached there in England. And then he's going to take a little bit of time, he and Lisa's wife, uh, to, to have some vacation time, which, which we're excited for his ability to be able to do that. But we want vacation too, right? I, I mean, I get it's October 1st, and we're not that far away from summer, but as I visit with people, man, it's been a long fall already, even though it just kind of finished or started. Started. See, I don't even know what time it is, okay? And, and so here's what I want to do. I want to give you a moment to take a little bit of vacation. And here's, uh, you can shut your eyes. I'll wake you up when I'm done with this exercise. But, but I want you to picture your absolute 100% favorite vacation place. It could be something that happened in the past, a vacation that you've taken that you'd love to go back. It could be that bucket list vacation that you dream about that you want to go to at some point. And I want you to just stop. And I want you just to picture that place. And as you're sitting in that place and you're hearing the waves lap up on the shore unless you're a mountain person and you're hearing the birds and the trees and the wind blow through those trees. I want you just to stop and think, man, this is pretty cool. This is an amazing place to be. As you smell the salt water or maybe smell the mountain air, as you hear the brook trickling down the mountain, hear the sounds around you. Would you just take it all in for a second? Hey, here's the cool thing. You get to take anybody that you want to take or don't want to take with you. So you can imagine your kids surrounding you on the porch of that house, or you can imagine your kids back home, however you want your vacation to be. And since it's a vacation in our mind, guess what? All expenses are paid. You got a picture of that? You seeing that? Hey, guess what? Now's the time you're supposed to wake up, by the way. God did it. God created that image that you have in your mind. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I would argue there are too many words in that sentence. I think we need to stop and just say, in the beginning, God. If you miss nothing else or you hear nothing else this morning, don't miss this. In the beginning, God. We could talk all day about how he did it, why he did it in the way he did, the timing of it, the length of time, the shortness of time. Why didn't you do this? Why did you create that? All of that stuff. But know this, to your core, God did it. In the beginning, God. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face 
of the waters. And then we come to verse 3. And God said. How did he do it? He spoke it. Can you imagine the power that comes with that? that? Would you like to have that power? To be able just to speak something and it happen. Can you do that? I'd love to sit here and say, hey, I, I have the power to say turn into a brown podium instead of a black podium. And nothing will happen. I do not have that power. But God spoke and said, let there be light. And what happens? There was light. So two things. We're talking about the sovereignty of God. The one who created everything. By the way, when you create it, it's yours and you get to be in charge of it. So like it or not, God is sovereign over all the world. He gets to make the rules. Second thing is his power. Because it takes power to create what it is that he created. Now, what happens next, starting in verse 3, and it runs all the way down through the end of chapter 1 in the book of Genesis, is we have this summary of the creation, and it is divided into days. Six days of creation, or seven, depending on how you want to count the Sabbath. It was part of it, but God didn't actually create on the seventh day. And so we have this creation story, which happens. Verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light, and it was good. Verse 6, which would be day 2, God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and he called the expanse heaven. That expanse is over the other expanse. Verse 9, which is day 3, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place. Let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters he called the seas. And God saw that it was good. Verse 11, he let the earth, he said, sprout vegetation, each according to its own kind. And so we begin to see plants within this earth that he has created. Verse 14, which is day four, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day and the night. So we have the sun and we have the moon, one for the day, one for the night that he created. Verse 20, which would be day five. Let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let the birds fly. So in the water, we've got fish. In the sky, we've got birds. Here it is. We're creating in this world that God is creating. And God saw that it was good. And he told these animals, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters and multiply on the earth, birds. Verse 24, day 6. He brought out the livestock and the creeping things and the beasts of the earth, everything according to its kind. And the Bible tells us it was so. What he said to have happened, it happened. It was there. It was good. And at the end of day six, or after he's created all of the animals, he says this, let us create man in our image. And mankind was created. And so we have this orderly process that happens. Day seven. It's in chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. All the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all his work. Verse 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done. God rested, God blessed, and God made holy. 
He set apart this seventh day. Why? God was not tired. It's not like God had six days of creation. Whew, that's exhausting. i got to rest now. We get clue for what Sabbath really is for when we look at the Ten Commandments. And I know we've had a lesson on the Ten Commandments, but I just want to point out one thing from the two commandments that we see in Scripture. One is in Exodus chapter 20. The other is in Deuteronomy chapter 5. If we go to Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8, we read these words. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day it is Sabbath to the Lord. It is a day of pause, a day of rest. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner, the foreigner who is within your gates. For in six days God the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea, all that is in them and rested. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, so God made it holy so we should pause and make it holy. When we get over to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 5 which is Moses recounting the Ten Commandments to the people. Literally what's going on is we have, this, uh, we, we have this moment in which Moses is looking into the Promised Land and the people are going to go into the Promised Land. Moses is not, but the people are. And he says, here's some things you need to know. Oh, by the way, remember these ten words of God. And so he repeats almost verbatim this command that we saw in the book of Exodus, in Exodus chapter 20. But then he adds this, verse 15, Deuteronomy 5 says this, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. Why do we keep the Sabbath? Because it is a reminder to us of what God has done for us. The powerful God who created the world. The sovereign God who is over everything. Now I wonder if Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy, if Moses is looking at these people and going, Did you get yourself out of Egypt? Because they all would have had to say no. In fact, we were enslaved and crying out to God. God, hear us, please. Remember us. And God, we are told, heard his people and comes to their rescue with a mighty arm. And so we pause regularly to say all of the work and the efforts and the, the things that we work so hard at to do fall under the power of God who created all things and loves us. Sabbath is a reminder for us who is really in charge. And I hate to burst your bubble this morning. It's not you. And it's not me. It's God. God is the one who is sovereign. All right. Seven days of creation, if you count Sabbath. What do we learn as we go through these? If we had time, we could read each one of them. And as we read through all seven days, and that's interesting to me. Why didn't God just create the world all at once? Why didn't God just say, you know what? Today we need a world. Boom. There it is. We're ready to go. And I promise you, it's not to avoid Big Bang Theory kind of stuff. There's an orderly fashion that happens throughout creation. Because God is a creator God. In the beginning, God created. 
But there is order in who God is. And so today he says we're going to separate the water above and the water below. Today we're going to put the sun in the sky for the day and we're going to put the moon. Today we're going to make the fish and the birds that fly in the sky. There is this order. Four things I think show up. That's the first one. That, that there is this sense of order and there is this engagement. In fact, we read all the way through that. It's the evening and the morning the first day. That's a little backwards to us because the day didn't start last night at sunset for us. The day started this morning. For some of us, way too early perhaps. Some of us enjoy morning a whole lot better when it starts at noon, right? We start in the morning, but Jewish mindset was when the sun went down, that's the next day. And so repeated all the way throughout here, we see this, the evening, the morning, the first day, the second day, the third day. There's an order and a structure. Everything is done like it should be. Number two, we see repeatedly throughout the creation story the phrase, it was so. Remember, I came back and I told you, if I had the power to speak the word, or if I tried right now and I said, make this a brown podium, and it was not so. Why? I don't have that power. But it's interesting, all throughout the creation story, as if we need to be reminded, we are told, God said, let there be light, and what happened? It was so. God said, let the elephants be created, and what happened? It was so. God said, let's put the sea over here. And what happened? It was so. Who has the power to create the world? It is the one who is able to do something, to say something, and it be so. Last I checked, that's God and God alone. Third thing. We see the phrase, according to their kind. Ten different times throughout the creation story. We see this idea of according to their kind, which comes back to this orderliness that happens as we go through the creation. I, I mean, let's think about this. What if mice were having baby elephants? Think about that for just a second. And I know you're listening to that going, that's crazy. Right, that's the point. It is crazy because mice have baby mice. And, and elephants have baby elephants, and pine trees have baby pine trees. Everything is according to its plan. There is order, and there is structure, and everything is as it should be. That's the key of creation. God didn't create a willy-nilly world. He created a world in which everything is as it should be. And here's the fourth thing. Seven different times throughout Genesis 1, we hear these words. God looked at what he created, and it was good. Except for the last time. After human beings had been created, what does God say? As he looked at the totality of what he had created, including these human beings, he says what? It is very good. God created a world that is awesome and amazing and perfect and incredible 
and, and unreal and unbelievable and, and just so I don't even have enough words to describe the world that he created. It is that vacation that you just imagined 24-7 and then some. That's the world God created. Now here's the challenge. Some of us are looking out those doors right there going, that's not the world that I'm seeing. We'll get to that in just a minute. So, God's the God who created. It's God. It's all God. Creation is orderly. Everything is as it should or was as it should be. And it was very, very good. There's one other story that comes out within the creation story that we need to go back to. That's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And then God said, let us make humans in our image, after our likeness. Now, if you're a careful reader and you're reading along, you know that God was there at the very beginning and you see this our word, our likeness. And you should begin to ask the question, wait, whoa, 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 what do you mean our? Our who? God, Adam, Eve? No, they haven't been created yet. We know that the Spirit of God is hovering over the water. So God and the Spirit, yes, but there is more. You've got to go all the way to the New Testament to see some of this. If you go all the way over, John chapter 1, right? If you're familiar with John chapter 1, you recognize that the beginning of John, the prologue, sounds an awful lot like the beginning of Genesis. In the beginning, John writes, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Paul, in his letter to the Colossian church, Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15, he says it even clearer, I think. He, you got to back up a little bit, and you recognize that it is God's beloved Son, Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creations. Colossians 1.15. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him, and He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. Church was designed, was thought of, was created way back in the beginning. Church didn't evolve over time. This is how God created the world. He created us. To be together. And so as we read these words and we hear about God the Father and the Holy Spirit of God that is hovering over the waters and Jesus, who is with God at the very beginning and was part of creation, we see the relationship that happens there. And that should jump out at you. This relational aspect. God did not create lone rangers. He created relational people to be with one another. And Jesus Christ is the head of that body, the church, that is the ultimate gathering of these people. So let us make man in our image after our likeness. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created them, male and female. It's interesting. He says, we're going to create man. That man in verse 26 is humankind. It's Adam. Adam in Hebrew is actually Adam. That's the word that we, we say Adam, but it is not Adam the person. It is Adam humanity is what it means. When we get to this phrase where he says, so God created man, it is ha-adam, which means the Adam. He created the man, but notice at the very end, it's male and female. He created them created humanity in the image of God. That word is interesting. That word can be used for statue. That word image can be used for idol. When God created you, he created you to be an image of him. How's that for some heavy responsibility, right? God created you within this perfect world he created to be his representative, his likeness. I don't mean in all his power and all of his glory, but when people see you, they need to see God. That's how you were created to be. And so here we've got this creation of humankind. We can go on to chapter 4, uh, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 4, and we see creation repeat itself. It's not a second creation, it's a different story because we're highlighting some different things here within this story. And we see in verse 4, these are the generations. Your translation may say this is the account of. Ten different times in the book of Genesis, we have this idea in which, which the writer will say, this is the account of, this is the story of. You need to hear this story. This is the story of the heavens and the earth when they're creation. And most of us may be really familiar with how Adam, how Adam, ha-Adam, the man, came into being. Because God, it says, formed him in the image of him. He made him out of the dust. He's got this creation that looks like God, except then what does he do? He comes and he breathes his breath into Adam. The breath of God, which is what? The breath of life. So verse 7 of chapter 2, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east. And there he put the man who had been formed. And listen to this. Listen to the garden. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. We have this garden that is amazing to be a part of. If you planned in your mind an outdoor vacation, <laughs> the garden was better. Sorry. Sorry. As good as you can think of it, the garden is better. And there's a tree of life in the midst of this garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, wait, time out. Because if what I'm saying is accurate, that God created the world and it was good, 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 it was very good. Why do we need a tree of knowledge of good and evil. See, right here we have our first little blip, our first little glimpse, our first little idea that this perfect world that God created, there may be something else going on. By the way, that was the tree that God tells Adam, you can eat any tree in the garden except that one tree. If you eat that tree, 
you will die. Verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good. Wait, time out, here we go again. I'm not going to go through all seven, but we just had seven moments of goodness, right? We created the world. We didn't. God created the world. God, the Trinity, God created the world. They did. And we have the goodness of God, the goodness of God, the goodness of what he has created. And right here, man is alone, and that is not good. That should raise red flags for us as we read. Because, folks, when we read the creation story, you know where we need to end up? It was and is good. God sees that man is alone, and that's not good. Why? Because that's not how man was created. We're going to create him in our relational image. And so Eve is created as well. And so now we have Adam, and we have Eve in relationship with one another, living their best life. I mean, they really are. This is 225. They were naked and without shame. They didn't know what shame was. That seems so odd and strange to us because that's not the world we live in right now. I get that. But we have this story of everybody living together and it is in harmony and it is good and it is the world that God created. Normally, we would throw a big conjunction right here, a but. But, because again, we're looking out that door and seeing something different. This world that we live in is not the world we were created to inhabit. We were not created to live this way. And I'm not going to give you the rest of the story. I could talk about our need for rescue, and that is 100% true. We need Jesus to come and rescue us. But for these few minutes, I don't want to talk about that. I want to remind you the world to which we were created. I want to remind you the world that you were created to inhabit. So you're better than this world because you were created for a better world. And so I want, as you walk out of this place today, for all of the negatives that you set aside as we began our time of worship, I want you to walk out of here today thinking, I have been created for a world that is perfect and is good and is better than anything that I see right here. And I want you to long and yearn in the same way that you'll work hard to go on a vacation. I want you to long and yearn to remember that world. When we get a picture of that world we were created to be in, guess what? Our movement becomes better. All we see is the junk, we go nowhere. But when we see the world that we were created to be, we move that direction. I joked with Jim and I said, I don't get to preach very often. I certainly don't get to preach two sermons back to back. So I'm going to cover everything. He asked me, what are you preaching? I said, everything. We're going Genesis to Revelation. And so this week we look at the two, first two chapters of Genesis 
the world that we were created to be in. Next week, I hope you'll come back because we're going to look at the last two chapters of Revelation, the Alpha and the Omega. And we're going to say, where are we headed? Not this world. A world like the world that we were created to be in. This morning, I hope your longing is for a better world. If you've got questions about what that looks like, if you're like tired of this one, like many of us are, let's sit down and let's talk. Let's figure out how we move from here to the world that we're supposed to be in, that God called us to be in, that God created us to be in. He created you to live in a better world. Would you look forward with me toward that world and let's move that direction? You want to talk about what that looks like, man, I would love to have that conversation. Others will be, be elders down front that can also have the conversation. There'll be an elder in the back behind the sound booth if you want prayers. Just outside this door, across the hall is a prayer room if you want a time of more private prayer. Let me really encourage you to be a part of that, to come ask the question, how do we get there? How do we get there? Because we'd like to share with you how you get there. Let's stand and let's sing together. Thanks for listening. To stay up to date on news and other events, visit southplains.org. We also extend special thanks to our countless volunteers who make all of our ministries possible. And remember, engage, lead, and celebrate others.